Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 145 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am in Lander for another few days, and then I'm headed out onto the road for a few weeks. Um, First, I will be stopping at at Climb Murfreesboro for the Performance Climbing Coach Seminar. If you haven't signed up, I believe there are a couple of seats left. You should go do that right now, especially if you're in the Nashville area, anywhere in Tennessee, frankly. It's a short trip for you. After that, I will be at Rocktoberfest in the Red River Gorge, emceeing the event. Once again, I've been there since the beginning. I'm not going to be changing that this year. And then I will be at Climb Time Oakley in Cincinnati on the 15th and the 16th of October. On the 15th will be a free presentation. I'll be giving a talk that I've been working on called Making Connections, the big lessons that I've learned over 200 hours of making this damn thing. There are lots of them. Hopefully this show is going to be bigger. I'm going to be workshopping it a little bit at select locations coming up soon. First in Climb Time Oakley. And on the 16th, I'll be doing our Boulder Better workshop Spaces are limited. As of this recording, there are three spaces left. I don't know if they'll still be there when you hear this, but check it out. They might be if you want to get in on that. Then on either the 17th or 18th, there's potential that the folks in St. Louis will be seeing me at Climb So Ill giving the same talk. We're trying to figure that out right now. I'll let you know as soon as I know. All right. You've heard enough about what I'm up to. Let's talk about this episode. This one is a special one, and it's it's something I'm really fascinated by, these climbing communities and what makes them tick and, and why they stick together the way they do and why they form the way they do. Now, before I went to Australia this past spring, I did a little research and discovered that Pretty much a who's who of Australian climbing lives in a small town called Blackheath in the Blue Mountains. And and I knew some of those folks, and I had gotten to know a few others over the internet, and I wanted to sit down with a big group of them. Um, so I, I sent out Instagram messages to people I didn't know and created this group and just tried to get everybody to show up on on one date, which is hard to do, to get everybody in one place at one time to have a conversation. And for those of you who may not know all the all the names of the Australian climbers, um, because over here in the US, we just don't pay that much attention to elsewhere, who knows why. Anyway, I, I mentioned this group of people to a climber that I met in Arapiles while I was there climbing. And when I named the people in the conversation, his eyes got big and he said, that's a room full of superheroes. 
and he's pretty much right. Sitting in the room with me that day were Tom O'Halloran, Amanda Watts, Julian Saunders, Lee Cossey, Andrea Ha, Lee and Sam Kujis, David Braley, and Vince Day. And that's by no means every amazing climber in Blackheath. I met quite a few more while I was there, and there are a few I didn't get to meet. And But I do think that it's a, a decent representation of the community there and of the, the values that this community has. So first, because there's so many voices in this podcast, and I've never done anything like this, um, it's just a room full of people talking, Let's hear the voices, let's meet the people, and then we'll get into this thing. I'm Tommy Hallard, and I started climbing in 2004 and moved to the Blue Mountains nearly 10 years ago now, and pretty psyched that this is my home. And you have a podcast. I have a podcast, yeah, with Amanda, Baffled A's. Everyone should listen to that. Everyone should. Yeah. If you want more Australian non-accent chin wagon. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Amanda Watts, been living in the Blue Mountains for 20 years for rock climbing and um, I've got a five-year-old nearly daughter with Tom O'Halloran. And you're a dietitian? I am a dietitian and I do online consultations. Yes. Perfect. And she's good. (laughs) I'm Lee Cossey, I'm a physiotherapist, been climbing about 25 years and my wife and I have a four-month-old boy, Max, and yeah. When you run the Move Clinic, we run the Move Clinic. Yeah, that's where I practice a physiotherapist and Andrew, an exercise physiologist, mm. and we also run a small climbing gym called Camp Street Climbing in Katoomba. And I work at the Move Clinic as well. Yeah. Do you really? I didn't know that. I do. On third. And Lee's done more first ascents of routes like probably thirty-two and harder than anyone else in the country, except Tom. Yeah. You've done far more. You've done far I don't think so. I don't think so. Lee's the no. pioneer and absolute Australian climbing hero. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dave Braley. Um, Kangaroo hunter. Reluctant sport climber. Reluctant sport climber. I'd rather boulder, but there's no boulders here. Um, but you wouldn't rather live anywhere else. I wouldn't rather live anywhere else. <laughs> Hustle and bustle's too great. I like I like my friends and family here and the quiet life. So why would you go anywhere else? Yeah. Sam Kujis, I'm a marketing consultant. Um, probably my husband Lee and I are probably the newer members of the community here. We're just approaching four years, so pretty new and absolutely love it. Um, I'm Andrea Ha. I've been climbing for fifteen years and I'm an exercise physiologist and <laughs> mother of... A mother of Max, Mighty Max. <laughs> you may have heard earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you may have heard earlier. <laughs> One of five Australians to free El Cap. Yeah. More Paul? No. she's going woman. Yeah, she really inspired so many people. Which is harder, El Cap or the Warpaw? What would you rather do again? Which is harder? I almost said I'd rather give birth again more than (laughs) (laughs) than do the monster again. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, Vince Day. I am an art dealer. I've been climbing about 24, 25 years and um, live love in the best the town in the universe. I fucking love the Gross Valley. <laughs> and the rocks. I really like rocks. <laughs> what's, your, what's your art gallery? Um, it sells locally made art and what? old stuff. Where is it? It's called Just Day Fine Art. Yeah. In Blackie? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. You better be yeah. open. I think I am. <laughs> yes. What's it called? Uh, it's called a day gallery. Oh. I'm Lee Cooges. I'm Sam Cooges' better half. <laughs> Some more big to differ. <laughs> I'm a CIO. Uh, you don't have kids, do you? No, <laughs> and never will. Why not? Um, and yeah, I live in Blackheath too, with all these crazy people. <laughs> and have the second or third most famous moonboard on the planet, I think. It's second, second, second most famous behind Hoyt Sockley, whatever he's called. He's, he's falling behind though at the moment because of his finger injury. What sort yeah. of metrics do you use to, <laughs> quanti- to quantify the fame yeah, of war? Yeah, I was thinking the same. Like yeah. the, the amount of profit. Yeah. Yes. I, just, I thought it was Ben's ex Woody or something. Oh. And he sent it to you. And now his is the most famous and yours is the second most famous. Yeah, he's not using it anymore. Yeah. No, 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 that's just a Tommy Hiram metric. Yeah, yeah. I do like the moonboard. Did it injure your finger? Maybe a I injured my finger. This <laughs> 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 man is ga- guns don't kill people. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Bullets kill people. <laughs> I'm Julian Saunders. I am an osteopath. I work in town, and I do the Dr. Jane Collins in Rock and Ice. Yeah, I think you're the first person, first Australian I ever had a an online conversation with. Actually, we were lucky it was online. Otherwise, you wouldn't have understood. I wouldn't have known what the hell you were saying. I'd have done it all wrong. Um, but I've linked to your articles a lot in my blog posts. Specifically, the dodgy elbows because that changed my climbing. If I understood, I think what I would have quit climbing had it not been for that. <laughs> what was that? If I understood what a blog post was, it's lucky you could start. I just explained to you what a podcast was. was a kid, uh, who thought of the word blog? I mean, isn't that like a kid who farted in their pants? <laughs> it's really what a, the video version. Yes, podcast blog. <laughs> That's for another. That's for another time. There's only so much you can handle. Yeah, bringing the caveman out and explaining. Awesome. That was perfect. Thank you, guys. All right. Did you get all that? Make sure you commit all those voices to memory. We're all going to be talking over each other a little bit here. Like I said, it's a room full of people, a room full of people who know each other really well and value each other. And I think this was an important conversation for some of them, as well as it was for me. You're also going to hear my wife in there a little bit, Annalisa. She pipes up a time or two. Um, And honestly, just to keep the room ambiance and the 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 feeling the emotion that was happening in there i've left this track for those of you who 
give a damn about what this is. I've left this track in stereo. So if you're wearing headphones, you'll hear some people mostly in your left, some people mostly in your right. You might experience the same thing in your car. And honestly, I think wearing headphones is the best way to listen to this conversation because it really puts you right in the middle of all these amazing people. Let's get into it. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, this time. I take the experiences I've had in climbing and use them in my life. I think a lot of other people do the same thing. But it's something which is, you know, it's fucking so enriching. And that is the reason I stay here. because I think it's so important to have a this community that you guys have there's there's something really special about these sorts of of groups of people and communities that exist in the climbing world um, and they don't exist everywhere so in Sydney where I just was it wasn't easily discernible they're probably out there I couldn't find one in the in the city I used to live in, Cincinnati, this, the community I created there when I left seemed to dissipate a little bit. And, and it's, it's the collective psych of this type of community that I think keeps people motivated for a long time. It keeps people going. And, you know, we can pick each other up when, when we're down and when we're not motivated. We, we use the, the collective psych to keep going. And I just kind of want to dig into what it is that makes this community happen. So when you first talk here, just so we can sort of get to know your voices, you all have the exact same accent. So we're never going <laughs> to keep it straight here. Oscars all sound the same. But so when you first talk, let people know your name. And then from there, we're just having a normal conversation. Um, who was the first one here that lived in Blackheath? Lake Cossie. Uh, no, probably no, Amanda. No, not even me. Really? Uh, I, I in Blackheath. Up, We're I, learning stuff already. I grew up in the lower mountains. Yeah. So, um, and only moved to Blackheath maybe 2001 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, Amanda, you were here first. Did you grow up in Blackheath or did you move here? No, I moved Did here. anyone grow up in Blackheath? Is it a place where no. people grow up? Your kids are going to grow up here. Yes. Well, yeah, Audrey's yeah, a Audrey. black heathen now. She is, yeah. yeah. Is that going to be the first generation of, like, black heath-raised climbers? And Julian's kids are... Gracie crazy. was yeah. born in the Landrum in Mount yeah. Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> she is actually a true Mount Victorian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must be. I mm. can't think of any we, climbers you grew that up were in, born here. Oh, like, someone like French? Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a few yeah. a few people who are local for sure but the bulk of the people who live here now for the climbing have moved here generally from interstate Tom Williams. cities Br- Br- yeah. Bryden Williams he's a he was yeah. born raised here there's yeah. A, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tom's yeah. a oh, what, he's 60 I guess and Bryden's 35 mm. 
Yeah, there's a massive community. Well, like I think there's been heaps of people before us. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, we all, of, of we all moved here. This is so yeah. fractured. Like what you're looking at is just a, a, a portion of. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not meant to be representative. Of yeah, I think I think these communities. That's that's one of the things that's really important about them is they're they're like an iceberg. You know, you see, you see these little tips of it, but there's this huge base that that yeah. built it. For me, it's the the locality of the area that brings us together. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, you get the the wonderful valley down there, and then you've got the proximity to Sydney, so you can work, and it's just fucking awesome. Everybody has a sort of a similar. Well, we might not all see eye to eye, but it doesn't really matter. It's kind of all share a love of the environment. I think that's the the thing with the Blue Mountains is it's like it's such a small population overall compared to like the major centres around Australia, and like it it is like the best place in the country really to to live and to climb. It's so much better than living in one of the cities. And so it's kind of just this, like, a place that you kind of have... For me, I I started in 2004 climbing and came to the mountains in 2007 for the first time for a climbing comp that was on. And just remember thinking that it's like, man, one day if I moved here, that would just be the best. But it was just this, like, off-in-the-air idea that like one day that would happen because I, I knew no one that had done that before and it was just like, yeah, not one of those things that happened. And then you, you just hear about people that do make that move. And I think that's the cool thing about the Blue Mountains is that like it, it's kind of tricky to start a life here in a way because you, you're, you're taken away from the working central locations like a city or or whatever um so you need to really be psyched to be here yeah be dedicated to making climbing part of your life well you've got to make your work work yeah so you can't if you want your nine to five job monday to friday in an office in sydney it's not going to work for you but i think that's then the cool thing with everyone that's moved here is kind of like they're searching they're looking to do something different. Like they're not like looking to go and just punch the clock. Like everyone in this room basically is in some way like an entrepreneur or small business owner or like doing that something is born different from moving here in the first instance. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's we all moved thing. here in the first instance and went, right. But why what am I gonna do? <laughs> but it, I think come? it attracts that kind of person though. I think because you wouldn't move here you wouldn't move if you didn't. You that. Yeah, yeah, if you were in that way, inclined, like if you were looking for an easy thing, you wouldn't move here. Why did you come here? For rock because climbing. For rock climbing. And what was the thing that dragged you here from Brisbane? Rock climbing. Rock climbing. But I knew else? one person, and that was it. And I was like, I want to change something. So it was the community of people that climb rocks here, or was it the rocks? I think it's the combination. I think it's the combo. Yeah, because when I moved here. Mm -hmm. Definitely, because when I was in Melbourne and we had our second kid on the way, the Grampians was not working out. Four hours away. Four hours away. So we were like, right, we are ditching it. We either move closer to the cliff and somewhere where I can practice, which was mostly rock climbers, or we take up cycling. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was never going to happen. Because, you know, all our mates were buying these fancy bikes. And you've just gotten so out of the no, electric lab. We must leave. <laughs> and, that, and for us, it's like, okay, we're going to the Blue Mountains. So because be- that is the only community where there is actually a community as opposed to a larger population that has climbers in it. Not a climbing community. Right. This as is an, an outsider of climbers. As an outsider looking in, we don't hear much about the Blue Mountains. We don't hear about Blackheath. We hear about the Grampians and Rapalees. You know, those are the famous Australian areas. Because we keep it areas. a secret. <laughs> it's <laughs> not going to be a secret now. This is never We're going to kill you after this. <laughs> You're done. I'll get into the internet before you can get me out. It's live streaming. <laughs> so... Why not move to the Grampians? What is it about there that they're because, can't, okay. they can't support a community? Yep. There is not a big enough... For me, there was not a big enough population that was climbers. Gotcha. Done. Yeah, but... Okay, there is a threshold where... <laughs> what are you saying? Of acceptable. numbers where a community will work, where, where you can have small enclaves within a community that has a voice that is not one person. And the, the collective voice has some force. If you go to Natty Monk, you are minus a, a number of people in any given enclave, and then you just go one-on-one, and that's going to go pear-shaped. That's Natty Monk. I'm just saying the community is too small for, for the, the community to make all those voices work. Yeah, to negotiate sure. them. So what because voices do you need for a more than one? Work? <laughs> like ones what, are, what are the roles that are important for a community like this to have? There's a in this room right now. There's a lot of diverse roles. Some yeah, we don't necessarily need. There's a lot of strong voices need, in this room, I'd say. But yeah, what's necessary? Rocks out there. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. the cohesive even, blue. Because even Blackheath compared to Natty is the climbing's here. Like even that, you're still going to drive out to the mountain. You know, it's, it's such still hassle-free climbing here. It's small. Yeah. It's really yeah. small. And it's a one-street town, kind of. You know, when, when there's a bolting yeah. problem, it's Peter runs into Bob down the street, and Bob says, you put that bolt too low, and Leave Bob and Peter have a barney. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's a bit more... Yeah, takes we have our months. differences, but yeah. there's a negotiation <laughs> that takes place because there is more than one voice in any given situation. situation. And it's only by having an internal conversation that we all kind of mash along, generally speaking. Yeah, I love that. It's great. When there are all those different voices, where does the mutual respect come from? Because oftentimes in a situation where there are lots of voices, it just becomes... A shouting match just yeah. You just have this one rational person, <laughs> and that they're going to step in. Who's the rational person here? I've gotten phone calls from There's many people yes. who can step in, and maybe we've all stepped in at different times and gone, <clears throat> guys, settle down a little bit. At the end of the day, though, I think we're all here because we love those rocks out there. Yes, and that's pretty absolutely. Yeah, there's sure. so yeah. so so many of them up here, and exactly, you can climb here most of the year round. So that's yeah. probably the Worst thing about, say, some of the Grampians yeah. is not enough climbing and it's terrible for close to half the year. 
Yeah. Drink coffee. And finally, there's not enough people. There's not enough people there. Yeah. I think we'd all love to live in the Grampians yeah. if there was sufficient work capacity. I, I, it's, and, and it's just work. brutal for six months of the year now. Yeah. And there's like, not yes, the year. Yes. And you want four hours from a city versus yeah. an hour and a half. It's so much smaller than this, though. <coughs> yeah. Grampians is miniature. Yeah. 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 We've bolted and climbed probably 2% of the rock around here. And, you know, it also lends itself to slacklining, base jumping, canyoning. Drink coffee, beat the cliff, diamond falls. You have probably six million options. Your coffee can still oh, be hot, it can, exactly. And you can be right. standing under a, a massively wide crack, or the hardest route, or the slabbiest slab. <laughs> with a with a warm <laughs> coffee, <laughs> with a warm coffee. Yeah. Well, stuff we, you guys was... experienced it the other day. Have an eight-hour workday. Yeah, go I to mean, the cliff and do how many routes? Like, yeah, and that's something that I think is really mm. integral: is being able to have your normal life, your workday, your family, your other hobbies, whatever they might be, and then slip out to the crag and. And do a bunch of pitches mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the day, or start the day with pitches, and then you know go have lunch at home. You know, I think that's really integral to making Happiness. a life work in a place. And if enough people are building a life around that idea, then is that all it needs to become a community, or is there is there really? more? We were at Elphinstone a few like a month ago, probably. There were seven people at the cliff, which in its infancy, seven people at Elphinstone was unheard of. Five years on, there's seven people there climbing at two two o'clock on like a Tuesday or something. It was a work day. Six of them were on their lunch break from work. Right. Or like each of them were working that day and had carved out a bit of time to... Like there's a love of but the that's rock. a lifestyle yeah. based on a love of climbing. Yeah, yeah. where yeah. you structure your work secondary to your climbing. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool. And that's what you get from being here is people that want to make that climbing part of their life. Like they're not there to do a fifty-hour week. They're there to make as happy. small amount as possible. Happy. Yeah, and, and prioritize balance in your life actually rock. living here than what you do. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really cool that we get that here. Like, it's so different to what the rest of the country is on about. Is it because everyone's moved here with climbing in mind, though? I think so. That's what all of us have moved here with climbing in mind. First and foremost, we changed our lives from where we were, came here to go climbing, and make it work around that. Therefore, work has been based around your primary goal of moving here to climb. And, and any kind of financial security is secondary to making rock climbing number one because that's what makes you happy. It is. And, but then there's so many people we know too who've now stopped climbing. Who? They still stay here. Mm. Mm. Hey. Yeah. Philip Sage. That's Phil. bloody amazing Phil one. Yeah. Warwick Larkin. Warwick Larkin. You know, heaps of people. Yeah, okay. But they've evolved into cycling. They regress, they, they made enough money to buy an expensive bike yeah, and then they go to the side. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really climb that much anymore, but I wouldn't live anywhere else. 
Because you're part of the community. Yeah, this is this is my community. Mm. And it's not just climbing, I don't think. There's there's so many different people here. Uh, for me, I look around and I see it. It's the love of the outdoors. Mm. If you don't experience something good out there, you're not living in Blackheath, that's for sure. You're going to be doing something somewhere else. Mm. Um, it's all about people who, I guess, are passionate about what they do in their life, whether it be climbing, whether it be... It's mm. something to do with that valley or that valley or some rocks or, mm. you know, it's... it's um. Yeah, and and in terms of money, I like money. Uh, I, as climbing <laughs> as a hobby is so fulfilling for me now, whereas it's not really my life, but it's something which um, I learn experience. I, I take the experiences that I have in climbing and use them in my life. And I think a lot of other people do the same thing yeah. in this community. It can't be something which is all encompassing, but it's something which is you know it's fucking so enriching, and that is the reason I stay here. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would feel that way. It's about a love of the environment and, and um, satisfaction of life. Yeah. Whether that be climbing, fucking walking, whatever, going over man-made. You're trying to just drop the mic and end the podcast right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, that's perfect. The people that you meet here, they're interesting. Yeah. It's not just like in this room we have Lee... Amanda, Tom, like Saunders. I mean, you guys have moved here from Queensland. Like mm-hmm. David, done you know all sorts of stuff through your life. You, everyone's travelled. They're interesting people, mostly quite highly educated and um, into. They're passionate about something. I mm-hmm. fucking think that's necessary for. I think. Then the other thing is because we've all moved here. I mean, this might not be the same for everyone, but for me, because I'm one of those like ultra sensitive people. You know really? you. <laughs> No, at all. Like, <laughs> the people you, you climb with and spend time with become your family. Yeah. And so yeah. it's sort of, yeah. Which is necessary when you most of us have moved away yeah. from our families. From your families. Mm. Like, they yeah. become your brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles. And, and you fight as much with them as you would with your... And is that, yeah. is that familiarity that happens when it's a, a smaller town? Is that why it works here and doesn't work in a place like Sydney, where there's lots of outdoor climbing nearby? You could jump out to the Frontline Boulders or to Sissy. Well, Sydney was different session. back in 99, 2000. Mm. There was definitely really? three main enclaves of bouldering yeah. going on in Sydney. It's like bigger gotcha. other one, North Shore people and other people. Yeah. But they all eventually amalgamated. This is when it was all getting development. But I, I, I assume it's still there. That's where I grew up started climbing. Okay, In cool. Sydney at that time. And there was definitely communities there. Yeah, and I don't I'm want sure. to disparage Sydney but at all. I, I, I think but there probably I, are. I, I don't know. I'm not there anymore. I assume there still are little groups, but, you know, these are people I travelled with and grew up with and things like mm-hmm. that. I, I am think convinced, though, that if you move to away from an area into somewhere where you're unfamiliar, you do generally try harder, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. to make your... Community work, your relationships work, right? To find your because you're not moving now. out. Like I can have an argument with someone. Mm. I'm not. They're not leaving. I'm not leaving. Mm. And it's a bit like arguing <laughs> with your brother or your sister. It's like, ah! and then you're right. Good. You have to get along. Yeah. At the end of the yeah. day, no one's leaving. Yeah. And this is yeah. a theory that like communities can only get to. A certain size before they do fragment. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of example in Sydney is a good example of that. Once it exceeded that kind of 
they, they say about 150 people for any one person you know you can't really be acquainted to more than that and so once a community right. grows to a certain size it is destined to fragment and i think yeah. julian's an example too of it being you actually kind of geographically relocating to an area where you just either you make friends or you kind of it's not sustainable i think those two factors together really hold together right we were trying to surmise before how many climbers there were, in, like literally in Blackheath, like or surrounding suburbs, and it probably sits around that mark. Active climbers, probably Actually, more. You know, more. What do you reckon? Really? Uh, it depends. Sure. Depends what you define, but like yeah. I would say, active yeah. climbers, you know, at least once a week, once a fortnight, like five hundred between Katoomba and Mount Beach. No, there's no only five. There's only five thousand people living <laughs> in, in Blackheath. No. So you're talking about Katoomba. It would be a bit easier to run, hey. Yeah, there would be for sure. No, because if you think, no, if you think no, about no. when we built the BBC, like the yeah. bouldering, so the bouldering club in Blackheath, like a lot you of us scratching to get like two hundred fifty. No, there were yeah, fifty of them. Yeah, the original no, no, was for people 50 who were like, all right, yeah. let's. Yeah. Oh no, 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 forget the bolo. Yeah, yeah, but it, as, a, as an example of like you know how many climbers there are, and that at the up. time, pretty much was ninety percent of people who were climbing went. Yeah. Except yeah. for the TAFE people and the people who go out to Mount York and Piddington and Quam 19. Yeah, but they're Crabs. not our friends. No, that's like at the start, we were just talking about, you know, there's a tip of an iceberg and then there's like a whole big community mm. underneath yeah. it of yeah. climbing. Mm. So there's, there's people climbing it. Yeah. We don't know, but you can only yeah. assume there's. Yeah. More so in recent years, I guess I do. You, know, you hear people say, "Oh, do you know Lisa and Bob?" And you're like, "Yeah, no, I don't actually. That's odd." Like, yeah, they've been climbing. The I was climbing with them down at Shipley yesterday. I'm like, really? They've been here for six them. months. No, yeah. eight, <laughs> years That's ago, eight years ago. Though. That didn't happen. The climbing community tripled up here. Mm. I think. Really? Yep. Yeah, was there, there was a lot of that happened eight years ago. I don't know. Maybe not that specifically, but like it's. It's, it's grown since then. It was quite yeah. stable for a period of time. We all saw each other at the same parties. Yeah. You know, you sort of had a bigger party and everyone was there. And, yeah, you know, they'd, there'd be punch-ups occasionally. They'd oh, yeah. sort it in. <laughs> <laughs> sort it out. People pointing at other people here. I love it. It was and quite competitive. <laughs> what was the competitive nature, though? Just in jostling, that? like, for... Um, for position, for position, not position. Yeah, really? nah. God, I missed no. that. No, you are totally in it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> really? Probably in you know, Melbourne Hayden. Yeah. yeah. No, dude, I was top dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least on your one man pile. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, internet sprays is all happening. Like, I think the community grew here a lot because of being able to work remotely. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. Yes. People have been able to yes. work remotely. Yes. Yeah. Which then has created a whole infrastructure for other people needed in yeah. the community. So, you know, we now need physios, dietitians. I'm a carpenter. So, you know, yeah. there's more work for me. Yeah. You know, people moving in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And like, I guess we know, I know personally a handful of people who work yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be they go to, if I couldn't. They, they go to the city yeah. once a day, so once, once a week. A week. 
Oh, I said, hey, what's that? You're not working remotely. Work. But uh, yeah, I think then, it, then it, it's it's given that opportunity to work. You know, and yeah. Pursue what you want to pursue. Be That's a really, really good it's, point. Yeah, it is probably a product of like people it, being able to do stuff online. Exactly even Josie, who works, is an osteo, hands on, on people, he has plenty of online work, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So it's all there, and yeah, I think as workplaces, true. like increasingly, like right now for for our business, we've got a small fraction of people that are able to work from home or work remotely. But it's just you know completely going to happen where large. But I mean, we see it with outsourcing, you know, huge areas of companies just get completely outsourced. But more so, I think it'll be skilled workers, similar to what, like what Sam and I are doing, that are able to then do that, and then more and more businesses just relying on. I mean, I don't think every, you know, you'll have businesses where everybody's working remotely, but certainly larger and larger proportions of people doing that. And it'll be really interesting to see what it does for being able to live in increasingly beautiful yet remote areas mm. um, that yeah. then have the infrastructure to support it. But, but areas that are still accessible to a major centre, like mm. still an hour and a half on the train to Sydney. Yeah, mm. sure. So it, it, it was interesting being in France because work as a dietitian, I do some work remotely and I needed to work a couple of times a week when mm-hmm. we were in Seyus climbing and the internet was so atrocious oh, that sure. it was so hard to work <clears throat> and even trying to just get it all set up compared to how easy it is to set that stuff up here. Yeah. I mean, I'm working a full-time job while I'm here, mm. so if I couldn't work remotely, I wouldn't be here at all. Mm. Um, so I think you're right. I think a lot of people are moving toward that and whether they're climbers who are able to move here or people who are able to move here to create more work for the climbers who are yeah, in town sure. i think that makes a big difference I, I i don't know but for me i've lived here for i don't know since 2000 maybe and you've seen a different change of from tradesmen and people working in hospitality mm. I think we say it's trade in Australia. Trade, yeah, trade. <laughs> trade for sure. Are you going to have subtitles with this? Can you do subtitles? I'm not sure. I'm thinking that with Lee, he's got a real Queensland accent. Like, I'm not sure anyone's going to understand. It's called Fella. Podcast subtitles. You just hear banana, That's your banana, next banana. <laughs> so now who's like out of the, I don't know, 10 people in this room now, only me and Tom are... Getting greasy hands. Yeah, uh, uh, that do that sort of work. Everyone else is professional, white collar work, not blue collar work. So mm. I, I, I think that's been a significant change up here. Yeah, it's been funny having. I've been here for twenty odd years now, and it's funny. I've you know everyone in this room. I've seen work in cafes and make coffee and yeah. and then go to uni and get degrees yeah. and then have proper jobs and now having kids. Yeah, how many people here created their job? after they came here. Came here for the climbing and then found a way to make it work. All of us. Yeah. No, I, I not, absolutely you, no, not. You, too, no. you created your opportunity to be able Over to Over four here. years of work. Yeah. 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 To yeah. then yeah. move here. Yeah. yeah. With that in mind. Yeah. 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 To work Julian, was your practice already yeah. going somewhere else? Yeah. yeah, I sold my practice in Melbourne and shoved everything in a car and drove up here. I literally collected the check from the sale of the practice Got in the car and drove to Blackheath. Nice. Yeah, put my How long before you started playing? Uh, a couple of days. So you got here and like, I'm just going to set here. up shop. I had come up one week before, went to the medical practice, went, can I rent a room? 
they went definitely and I went back down and we mm. packed up and drove up and I started two days later in the local medical center. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And Amanda, your dietitian work, was that something that evolved once you were here? Yes. I, um, yes, I was always, yeah, I started studying, I don't know, let's say, let's, for the sake of it, say 18 years ago. And then it took a fair few years between climbing trips and part-time uni to get to the end. And then, yeah. And you have two degrees there, don't you? Or three? Oh, no, I've got two. a master's. I was like, no. But, um, yeah, and then decided I was going to start private practice just like Lee and Andrea did as well. They say you're not meant to start it straight out of uni, but we all did. It's like, yeah, well, Lee and Andrea's did yours, did Move Clinic sort of evolve well, because of being here? Um, so I moved here when I was about 18. It was 10 years later that I actually went to uni. Mm. So yeah. my, my interests evolved, I guess, out of <clears throat> needing to be able to be flexible and be able to work somewhere that I could climb. So, mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. I think that's like from before, like I think living here and that necessity of needing to create your own work brings that kind of person here that can think of a different way of trying to like start private practice straight out of university when you're not meant to yeah the person who's okay with the alternative totally lifestyle i think climbers are up for that though because there's a general level of risk mitigation with climbing which you translate to your professional life Mm -hmm. where you just go you know what Sometimes you just got to stick your neck out. Mm. But is that, is that climbers? That's or climbers. Or is it the climber that comes here? Because there's still lots of climbers that just work corporate jobs. I think, I think yeah. yeah. The climbers in this room are all very good at what they do. And they've dedicated yeah. their lives to it. That's the reason I'm still here, for sure. I want to be around cool. people that inspire me. And mm. like this community definitely does. Mm. Regardless if I'm climbing well or climbing really shit. I like the fact that I can go to someone's place and, you know, they've got a drive and a passion for life. That's really important for me. Mm. Mm. The city, it just kind of vaporizes in that and you have um, too many people just living and existing without yeah. any sort of conviction. It's fucked. There you go, Dad. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Do you need to get home early? <laughs> Like, like every every a lot of our friends here are really like they they dedicate, and that is it's quite unique. It's it really is. There are awesome people. We have yeah. awesome friends in the city that are also that are go get. Oh yeah, yeah. They know about here eventually. They do. They're trying to get up. They're all trying to get here. Yeah. Do people come and go in this sort of community? Do people move in and not not able to make it work and disappear? Not that often. Not that often. Not Grant and Beck were the only two that I think really have come up here, stayed for a few years, and then actually left. But they did incredibly well financially. So they were all... (laughs) Well, that's true. They were working. Yeah, they did. Always back to money. Well, that's the reason that they left. Like, they they saw an opportunity. Hobart was doing that with the property market. Yeah. They were at the peak of their their housing. Didn't they have some climbing injuries as well? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think it's family too. Like, most people go back to family. If the family are somewhere else and, you know, you're that way inclined. They took up cycling, didn't they? 
That too. <laughs> <laughs> you can so fling in finger injuries. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But their jobs were, Grant was, you know, yes. working for six years as a house renovator. Yeah. So flipping, you know, house after house, it worked. It was perfect for them to leave at that point. Yeah, they should leave at the top yeah. of the But yeah. as a general rule, which is, it's pretty much a vortex. Yeah. Once you sort of, yeah. you settle here, yeah. you, you, you stay. And let's face it, a lot of us knew each other. A long time before we moved here. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay. Did yeah, you know each other from coming here, and here and for weekend trips? No, I mean, the Grampians, actually. Yeah. I think okay. a lot of us yeah. met in the Grampians. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the Grampians yeah. probably was the Grampians. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first place I met you, Julian, <laughs> yeah, was in the Grampians. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It probably was <laughs> down there. These guys, there would be a big Easter trip of Blue Mountains climbers mm. to the Grampians, Mount Stapleton. There would just be this onslaught. And every year it was the same. And I think we... That's why I moved up here. I knew a lot of these people already. Mm. Okay. And it was almost so like moving into <clears throat> your friend's backyard. Really. Well, the Blue right. Mountains climbers moved to the Grampians. I think the Queensland climbers moved <laughs> down to the Blue Mountains. For Easter. <laughs> for Easter. <laughs> and we all got a little taste of how good it could <laughs> be here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tasmanians end up at Queensland Moorland and Antarctica <laughs> and... Don't come back. <laughs> so, can we talk about the bolo for a minute? I think it's interesting that I see in a lot of places in the states where there is year-round climbing, it's tough to get people indoors at all, or to train at all, or to really take that part of climbing seriously. How did the bolo come about? Because it's a, it's what I consider the the way a, a training gym should be built a, a training for climbing gym should be built so Warwick who doesn't climb anymore he had a small woody at his house and we, I would go over there on a Thursday night and train and it was brutally cold and there, over the period of maybe six months we were just kind of chatting it's like oh man we've got to get a better place to train mm-hmm. the bolo was derelict and I called the owner, which was a, a company in Katoomba, a not-for-profit company, and said, can we lease it? And after a couple of years, they said yes. And so then, you kept on them for a while? Yeah, three times I approached yeah. them to try and get it. Um, eventually they agreed, and we came up with a figure. I leased it off them. Um, and pretty much the whole community was immediately behind it. Well, we and all had Lee, home walls. Yeah, we all had home walls. Yeah, that was my next Lee question. How many home walls are in this room, you know, and in this community in general? you got to realise that it's cold here in winter. So when you're training in the garage, it's not very comfortable. And the whole premise was around having a big facility where we would be warm and there'd be kind of a community that you... There wasn't all these little fractured, small... Right walls around and really Lee and Ben got on board super fast and we kind of came up with this design and then we just emailed all our friends and said who's in and we got 40 I think that I figured out the threshold was about 40 people and we could make it work if we halved the building leased out the other half and built a climbing wall in the half that wasn't let out. So it was this whole balance of... So you ended up buying the building? Yeah, three or four, five, four years, five years later, I bought mm. the building. But initially, it was just a 10-year lease. And I was like, oh, here we go. 
Yeah, it's a bit nervy. Yeah. But at the time, it felt like you know, there's enough behind it to make it work. Um, and, and lots we all of people got behind it. With our we all bands. built it. Yep. Mm-hmm. We had working bees. Mm-hmm. There were emails. Amanda was central to like, all right, everybody, get I don't on know board. How I yeah, I don't know how. We haven't seen A, B, C, and D down there that week. Come on, get on in. There needs to be cleaning. There'd be a job list sent out, and it was a it was a real community effort to get it built. And builders, sorry, I won't that one. Um, we had like Warwick was a builder, so he would just kind of manage all the build stuff, and people would come in, and there would be roles for everybody. Yeah, there's painting. And then we had working bees. Peanut punching. Yeah, peanut punching. <laughs> Wall design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wall yeah. design. So it was. Holds. Vince was making holds. Oh, I did peanut, a peanut punching, yeah. I think. Yeah. It was a real community <laughs> effort to get that wall up and running. Yeah. yeah. And it was. I look back at that and it's like, man, that was insane. But how yeah. did we get that mm-hmm. up and running? Mm-hmm. It was probably the culmination of. The community's greatest moment of yeah. just going. All I can't together. imagine getting that many people to cooperate again to do something. No, that like was that. insane. <laughs> I still don't understand. Like it was like was three that... months of hard labour yeah. from all of us. Working yeah. these every it... week, yeah. going yeah. down there. Yeah. No, it was there was this climbing time. <laughs> yeah. Just knock out. Paint, build. Paint, mm. build, bolt. And the building was so gross. It was like oh, an yeah. old RSL that. It's really derelict. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was gross. But I love that idea that. Whatever everybody's doing, if there's something that's, you know, there's a psych that is created by doing that, that people, that is almost, and I'm not going to, it's not self-sustaining because it would eventually peter out, but people want to be involved in something mm-hmm. that people are psyched on. So if someone is really psyched, a bit like Vince said before, if somebody's psyched on whatever it is, I want to be involved and I want to, like, you want to be close to that person mm. and, and feed off whatever yeah. that site yeah. is at the time. It doesn't have to be climbing. It can be whatever. If there, if there's a whole heap of energy and passion in something and there was for that, evidently, oh, man. There definitely was. that helps. People it's really a magnet. It. Yeah. Well, we all love training. I think that's the other thing is a lot of climbers up here love training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you asked before why build a wall in a place where you can climb all year round. The climbing here necessitates being strong. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you can't not train if you want to kind of keep having new routes to do, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't just go out and get fit on the cliff because, the, as you probably found, the routes are pretty bouldery, mm-hmm. and so you've got to. Well, do I think some at training. that time there maybe wasn't so many winter crags. Like now we have more winter crags. <coughs> yeah. If you go back, uh, maybe you just go out more in winter. Now. <laughs> 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 maybe you just go out more. Winter, winter's the prime season for me, man. Summer's, summer's the off season. <laughs> And it's true because it's so bouldery, like you have to have power mm. and you can't get power just yeah, doing laps of the cliff, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And also you wear your skin out because of the style of rock here, so mm-hmm. lots of training. So what did those first few months look like in comparison to how it looks now in the bolo i'm I'll sure i'm sure at first it was you know, everybody's super can, can i tell you what it was like it was the real thing soundtrack playing and everybody jumping and dancing on the mats literally that happened 
That would not happen now. Yeah. <laughs> it just would not happen Can now. Can we try to make that happen just for videos? So. Uh, every time, every time Dave goes into the bolo, he puts the real thing soundtrack on. Yeah. I think I caught the tail end of that, and it was pretty awesome. Mm. the The first year that I was here, it was like the 2011-12 summer, and it just rained. I, I think there was 13 days out of the 90 that it didn't rain. Like it just was so abysmal and every day you'd go in there and so it was like you lived in Sheffield yeah <laughs> I got tendonitis behind my knees from no. just like pulling on the board with my toes too mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. 30 degree Sheffield yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's just like this group of people that was so psyched to be one tropical shit <laughs> But it was also the people Coconut. who had. There were a lot of the people, original members were still in it. Mm-hmm. And I think they, there was still a very strong collective psych when you arrived. Mm. It was really cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it's still running. I don't run it anymore. I got a bit sick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of other friends took it over. And now they take the hit instead of me, which is great. I just go down there as a. Paying member, it's awesome. <laughs> it, it for me, it did get a little bit hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a just a time consuming, energy consuming. Sure, just kind of ran out of guns with it. Yeah, but other people took up the baton. So yeah, that's the important thing. Right. Somebody yeah. stepped up and said, and it's not like they've got an easy run of it. Right, they're having the same run that I had with it, but they're just kind of doing their thing, and maybe when they've had enough. Someone else will take it up. Right. It's not yeah, like it's a commercial venture. It's not a business. Yeah, it's not a business. Right. There's there is only a money loss. Mm-hmm. It's not a business. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon a, a climbing wall like that is integral to a community? Is that why you're asking about it? I think it's an important part of it. I don't know if it's. I think that wall in particular is special because it was built by the community. Yeah. For the sole purpose of the the community coming together in one spot. And there's such a concentration of hard climbers, like the Mm -hmm. people that climb the hardest in the country Mm -hmm. in Blackheath. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, if you look at commercial climbing gyms that have to be built now, they're built for the masses to try and get people through the door. So they have to cater a lot to beginners and, you know, someone like Tom or these guys go down and they can do all the problems in the gym. Right. But at the bolo, they won't be able to. Right. And it's not about making money because it's not a business. So it can actually be a training facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not going to be an attractive gym to the general community. No, yeah, the greater it. community. They, yeah, they Dusty yeah. and grubby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and a no really set, hard. No set problems yeah. and really Fraction, hard. Right, yeah. the community that would use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important part of it. You know, that's the home wall that I have is is not as big as the bolo, of course, but it's it's a large home wall and it's a the same sort of setup. A lot of the community came together to build it and it's become a you know, the place to, to train in town for the community. And it's the same sort of thing. No one's gonna come in there and want to have a birthday party. It's going to hurt a lot of feelings if, if yeah. that's why you're coming in there. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's an important part to have that meeting place when you're not climbing outside, that, that sort of informal gathering spot. 
know, is of it the rock climbing community, right? In, yeah. Of that community, is it is it still like that? I went in there with Tom just the other day to check it out. Yeah, people come we'll and go a little bit. Like, like Lee's built a gym today. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lee yeah. and Andrea own a climbing gym. In that, yeah, that's kind of trying to achieve a different thing with it. Like one thing that I found hard for the bowler was that the kids who would walk past with their parents and go, oh, I want to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, uh, it only works to kind of have a yearly membership and, you know, it becomes too labor intensive. It needs to pay someone mm-hmm. then if you provide that service and you probably need to clean the place occasionally. Um, <laughs> but, we're like, well, it would be really nice to have something that provides a sort of stepping stone for people who have never climbed mm-hmm. to be able to go through right. to experience rock climbing in their backyard if mm-hmm. their parents don't climb for example yeah. so yeah, we opened another gym which you know is a very, great adjunct to the bowler yeah very different really intention different. behind it mm-hmm. so I think got you, 145 degree wall versus like the bowler which is 45 and then a much much steeper cave and mm-hmm. all the holds are bad mm-hmm. yeah um, this is a lot more like a small modern gym mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your your gym starts to like bring new people into yeah we've community. had so many young people like teenagers who've become climbers because mm. of that mm. gym which just would never happen and that's probably one of the things that makes me most happy to see at the moment yeah yeah, yeah. You, has it been there long enough for you to see teenagers who are coming into your gym then start climbing in the bolo yeah. or uh not not yet no I've been, i don't think i can think of anyone who's transitioned across um, it's still not the kids. No, not the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Some adults, maybe. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But there's like there's kids that, that are climbing at your place now that are like they're climbing, yes, climbing yes, proper yeah. climbers yeah. that are they're going like, outdoors, which hasn't been consumed. Which it sounds cool. like a it sounds like not a big deal. Like if you kind of think of it in a city context, but this is still a relatively small community of people like you know we've got about twenty thousand people in our immediate kind of catchment which is very small and amazing climbing but no way for someone who isn't you know the daughter or son of a climber to right. be able to actually experience what's in the backyard mm-hmm. yeah so and it's been interesting because we've been a lot of us have been involved in competition climbing mm-hmm. and the bouldering comps and things like that and it's, it's only sort of now that I'm starting to notice the junior climbers starting to climb outdoors because for years there wasn't really a very easy transition. It's tricky, well, like that idea of, and I think about this a lot, um, backfill. So with a community, like if we look around the room, like most of us are in our 30s and 40s, but... And, and, and self. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Oh, you should have let that slide through. <laughs> I shall not. <laughs> but that whole concept of like the, okay, but who's who's the next cohort coming up? Yeah. And like I see, like when we went to the States, it was really obvious in the gyms, that concept of, and I see it a lot, that every single gym, no matter how small, seemed to have a very big development program of kids and youth climbers that were being, uh, that had good resources and that were being coached and, and that seemed to flow through into every 10-year bracket of age had a, a very strong and, and full, um, you know, cohort of, of climbers, some of which who stayed indoors, some of which who went outside, some of yeah. which who wanted to climb trad, some of who, you know, and, and it just meant that the backfill process of climbing throughout the generations, using that term in, you know, in quotes, because I'm thinking of like a 10-year group of people, sure. was there. 
and but and yet my observation in in Australia is that yeah there was a there was a pulse for the sort of twenty years nineties and early two thousands absolutely mm-hmm. and then a really big lull mm-hmm. and it's awesome to now start seeing like some of the stuff that Lee and Andrea are doing and and yeah. and others around the country um, to you know bring youth in because I think we do have a gap. Yeah. I honestly do think we've got a gap, yeah. uh, like a ten-year gap yeah. um, of really like a <clears throat> a dearth of you know of climbing talent in the country. So it was all those climbs in the late nineties and early two thousands that have kind of gone along, got yeah. their degrees, got their jobs, then had kids, mm-hmm. and now that's the backfill. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and there's no one in between. That's that's a thirty-five year gap, <laughs> and they've still got to kind of mature. I don't know if anyone disagrees, but yeah, no, no, my I fully agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I started climbing in my mid to late teens. I was at the cliff with people in the early twenties, and that was that was the entire crag full of people in the early twenties. Nowadays, it's like it's the people in this room, sort of, and our friends who are like you say. 30s maybe 40s and you know it's really really weird shift and if you didn't think about it and actually reflect you'd be like yeah it's all just to my friends hang on we're all freaking old (laughs) (laughs) i do that reflection yeah Yeah. speak for yourself (laughs) i think that's such an important part of a thriving community and keeping it going you know allowing it to continue is being able to have the foresight so to speak to to look back pull somebody up who's you know who may not get to experience the sport or the lifestyle or whatever um, and pull them into that community so I mean I think that's a real service to the the community in general that that you're doing by pulling kids in and and teaching them mentoring them in the ways that the community operates you know but would you, with that generational thing, would you say that the, the generation above you was only 10 years? Or do you reckon guys like Micklin that are... Oh, but I, I guess... You know, you know what I'm saying? Is, it, is that generation for climbing, do we hang on to our generation longer? So this, It's I not like football no, where you're getting new guys every yeah, five yeah. years, you can't keep up. There wasn't, there wasn't any way for them to get to the cliff. Yeah. So there's all these gyms in Sydney and there's kids climbing in Sydney, possibly, but yeah. they weren't making the jump out to the rock. And I think the thing that Camp Street's doing and and these guys transitioning people out to the rock is getting kids from plastic into yeah. the outdoors. Oh, yeah, but there wasn't there wasn't plastic, I guess. I think yeah, well, there sure. Is sure. Yeah. You guys have a really good thing. You run mm-hmm. school groups through the mm-hmm. kiddies classes. I mean, it's fucking amazing. It's awesome. That's how I My kids don't want to go to the bowl. Yeah. They want to go to kids. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that for me is a community-based thing i mean what you're talking about are the training facilities for such a small portion of this community it's yeah. almost in some ways irrelevant in in my way of looking at it depends what you call community like if you talk about the greater, the greater community, yeah. that's yeah. one thing but Black that's your twenty thousand people no no, no not 1, the greater people, but like yeah blackies which has say 1500 yeah. people whatever around that yeah. sort of you have a lot of different people coexisting mm-hmm. you'll see many different people down the street all with you know a conviction in their life that they they're here for something to do, and usually it's the outdoors. I'm probably harping on about this a bit much, but <laughs> it's, it's the outdoors that brings them together, and, and it's it's that passion that keeps them here. Mm-hmm. And and that community is not just hard rock climbing. Mm-hmm. It's not about training. It's about a love of where you are and a love of what you do, whether that be hard climbing, 
jumping off cliffs, mm -hmm. riding your bike down a, it's kind of, that's what I see is the cohesive glue in Blackheath. But also do you think, do you think training? Sarah, that's <laughs> yeah. like, cool, you guys <laughs> yeah. Man, these guys dedicate their life. Nice. And then can I just say, Vin, like two, the two facilities serve a different purpose. Like yeah, I think for sure. the, yeah. the Bolo needs, it's like a really nice place for hard climbers to stay psyched and train together. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and you need those people around you mm -hmm. to keep that momentum going. Mm -hmm. So I think that like that serves a really important purpose for the community. Oh, for sure. But then also like for us, like especially for me because I started at a climbing gym indoors and my parents don't climb at all so mm -hmm. that was a way that I got into it like in a yep. kids squad and so for us it was really important for us to be able to have a service for kids that don't have anyone to take them out and so there's been all these kids come in and now they're so excited and they they want fingerboards for Send, the Christmas presents. Sending me videos today oh, of like yeah. sending their projects and stuff. And they're yeah. like uh, teach, they're asking us to teach them how to belay so they can go out by themselves. Like it's it's really awesome for the community in another way. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's both yeah. Like I mean, climbing community sure. supports yeah mm -hmm. is supporting more and more now. Mm -hmm. It's like not just kind of a dozen home walls, but Mm -hmm. A couple of bigger facilities. Well, the climbing community mm -hmm. is not the parameter of our age group. No, 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 no yeah, exactly. It's the community. Mm -hmm. It's like are we talking the kids about the are part of the community. <laughs> <laughs> are we talking about the climbing community? Both, <laughs> both, both, and how they fit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're kind of talking about this community as if it's just our age group, mm. yeah. but it's not. It's it's, oh, it's our everybody. kids, and it's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. The community has a, it's a much bigger age yeah, spectrum yeah. than. Yeah. Us old farts sitting here, mm. stroking out collective beards. That is true, that is true. <laughs> Says the guy who's a year from 50. Are you? Are you? 18 months. Thank you very much. <laughs> Still a while. So, something I want to know. Yesterday, I'm sitting at my computer. I'd just gotten a podcast onto the internet, and I get a text message from Lee Kujis saying... It looks like it's clearing up. Let's go out. Let's do some pitches. I wasn't thinking about going climbing at all. I was in for the day. I was done. As soon as I got the text, I'm psyched. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, no. Annalisa's got my pack in the car. She's not here. He's like, I've got extras of everything. Let's go. <laughs> you know? And I'm, all of a sudden, I'm stoked. How often is that happening? Are, are people messaging each other and saying... I know you're just sitting at home working, but let's go do this thing. I think that happens every day. Every day. Pretty much every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Endlessly, I would yeah. say. Yeah. 2016, I think, I was pretty much ready to give up rock climbing. I was done. I was burnt out. I was, like, over it, and I took two months off. Like, I was looking at moving 4,000 kilometers away mm. and just surfing. And... Then some people like, come on, come out to, I think Elphinstone, like, come on. And I hadn't climbed in forever. And um, they just dragged me out. And I remembered how much fun it was. Mm -hmm. And you, it like, it was brutal. Like Elphinstone, when you're feeling fit, is brutal. Mm -hmm. And then when you haven't, when you've put on too much weight and haven't climbed, it's even harder. But there's just psych there. Yeah. And it just, you couldn't help but get caught up in the snowball. 
and then you're just back just frothing on it again and loving it and it's mm -hmm. just awesome like it's there it's the community drags you along and like you don't need to be yeah it doesn't need to be like a like you give me something now and I'll give you something back right now right it's like it, it's there long term like yeah I think it's really cool is that a bark yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is really cool too. yeah yeah yeah, I mean, for me, that's a big part of the magic of it, you know, that we're in these little tight communities. Everyone's not so wrapped up in their own thing that they forget to check in on everyone else and say, and maybe sometimes it's selfish, you know, I know for Kujis it was, for sure. And it's just like, I just want to do my new route, so <laughs> you look like a player. <laughs> I've got an honest one. You don't speak no, 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 shoes. You'll be fine. That's exactly how it went. He did the cliff in his trail runners. Yeah. You belay on the right in this country. You'll be fine. <laughs> but people don't forget to check in on, on everyone else. I think that's a really common theme up here. Yeah. I mean, I think Andrea and I are having... I had my baby four and a half years ago, five years ago, and Andrea's got a five months old now, and, and um, Vince and Helen have got a six-month-old, and... You know, at Baronia the other day, there were three people there to help Helen, help hold Helen's baby so that she right. could get a climb in. It's a big baby. And <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I remember Julian and a bunch of people, they dropped food off, you know, for us yeah. when we right. brought Audrey home from the hospital. And I know yeah. people, people sent a text around the other week and they're like, okay, we think we want to make food for Andrea and Lee because mm -hmm. they're really busy with stuff at the moment. They've mm -hmm. got a young baby. Can who wants? Who, well, who's just got a young baby recently? Cat, Cat and Matt. Oh, Cat and yeah. Matt. Yeah, yeah. So we were down at Porter's the other day. I was playing. I think Luke and my daughter had just come down, and their kid was crying, and Cat was like, "Julian, can you get on belay for me?" Because <laughs> Matt was halfway up the cliff. Oh, and, and the, the baby was crying. <laughs> yeah. 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 We did that a few months ago. Yeah. Like I was climbing and Lee was belaying while holding our baby. And the baby was just... In a, in a heart. In a heart. Yeah, in a heart. Yeah. And just like <laughs> crying. It's good not to stop crying. And a friend of ours walked past and was like, do you need help? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you please help Lee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just new baby just, yeah. still addicted to climbing. Must keep climbing. <laughs> <laughs> just one more fucking pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know that's something. You know this this food train that happens when people have children and everyone's helping each other out. In in the community I was involved in in Cincinnati, which is a bigger city, I'd never heard of anything like that. I'm sure it exists. I'd never heard of it, but it's a common practice in Lander, where we live now, where it's a much smaller town similar to this. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that that exists here. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's just a just an example of how these little tight knit communities work, and just willing to check in on each other and, and thinking about each other instead of just being wrapped up in your own life your own climbing your own everything we've all got that going on too but you're so close to everybody that you're you're mm -hmm. always thinking about what's that person doing 
Lee Kujis is thinking about who can belay me on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. I also run like a few group classes throughout the week and like heaps of us come together and yeah. do classes together. Mm. Yeah. It's really nice. And if someone's not at training, like we're, we're all saying, where's Kujis? It's pretty infrequent. He's not the one to point the finger at. <laughs> I'm a stayer, baby. It's so unusual that you kind of like, well, where is he? <laughs> is he sick? Someone dropped yeah. him yeah. off. Yeah, if he's sick, we go to look up the street. <laughs> <laughs> last week, I just got the flu and then I had dinner delivered to my front door. Wow. I'm like, oh my God, like, what's this? I've never had that anywhere when I lived in the city. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is easy here too. Like, I climbed in Sydney. I lived in Sydney and followed in Sydney for a long time. Look, to go from my house to here is... Easy. It's easy, and it's, but it's a, distance, it's a distance travel. But to do that distance in Sydney and then find a park and then <laughs> get back to your car it's and yeah. nick yeah. all your tools out of the back yeah. of your car, it's, it just becomes impractical to be bothered to go see your friends. Yeah. You know? Even if you right. live close. Even yeah. if you live close. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you live beyond a comfortable walk or a push bike ride, actually getting your car and going... It depends where you are. If you live in the, the outer, if you live in the outer suburbs, but a, a, a lot of climbing type people live in the inner west of Sydney, and it's the city, and it's busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just hard to do. Mm-hmm. Even in less busy cities, like we made the point within a couple of months of being here, that whole weird thing about tyranny of distance in the city and your friends. So we had the same group of people, you know, like same size, number of friends. You're like in Lura, though. No, no, this is when we lived in Brisbane. Oh, Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but a similar sized group of friends and people that you know. But, you know, you're you're on the south side of the city and the friends that you want to catch up with are on the north side of the city and then you want to get eight groups of people together and two of them have, uh, you know, have kids and whatever. Suddenly, just to get together, to have a chat like we're having now and have dinner. In Blackheath, there's no barrier to that. In a small town, there's no barrier to that. It just seems easy. Mm -hmm. But to do that, and like you could do this at... The last minute and frequently do and yeah. suddenly there's 10 people together having dinner or you know just catching up in a city that was like a plan one month in advance sure. and there'd be dates going back and forth and it became a mission mm-hmm. to, to to put one of those things together and it meant that you only got to see a couple of friends that you really valued their friendship a couple of times a year or something like that right. and it just means i think friendship is about like spending time with people mm-hmm. and if there's less barrier to spending time um it just means that your friendship gets stronger and i think being in a little town does that i and, think it took yeah. lee and sam a little bit of time to adjust to the fact that we spoke to each other so frequently <laughs> during the week <laughs> and that we saw each other so much right <laughs> yeah so what is it about blackie I mean, for so just to let people know who are listening, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm brand new, but there's essentially, the, the way the Blue Mountains are set up is that there's a main road that runs through the mountains, and it's a line of small towns down that main road. Why is it Blackheath? Why don't half of you live Christ in family. Mount Vic and half of you live in Laura? They tried That's living in Lura and we wouldn't go and visit them because it's too far away. I lived in Mount Vic. We moved to Mount Vic off the bat in <clears throat> Melbourne. Yeah. And you end up spending your life on the road to Blackies. You, you come down here to get a bottle of milk, 
you come down here to take mm-hmm. your kids to school, I come down here to go to work, I come down here to visit friends, I come down here to go climb. It's like, fuck it, let's just move to Blackheath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that kind of mentality. And it's 10 minutes down the road. It's mm-hmm. 10 minutes down the road. Which in the city is like the best commute. Yeah. yeah. And minutes. suddenly it's like, no, <laughs> seven minutes is too long. <laughs> I need to be closer to my friends. <laughs> yeah. Seven minutes is too far away. When all my other friends... They're only two minutes apart. <laughs> we're selling. We're moving to Blackheath. You moved in somewhere where you could throw your Birkenstock yeah. through your work I window. I need to be able to get at least one friend throwing my Birkenstock from my front yard. <laughs> and I think yeah. many people I think have moved here just because there are so many climbers here mm-hmm. and so many people they know that it's like, well, actually, why would we move 10 minutes away? Mm. Yeah, it's a, and it's a nicer town than probably yeah, the ones. Yeah, there's a village. It's, it's, a, village it's, it's a real crazy balance. Katoomba seems that little big. Mount Vic seems that little, little bit small. Black yeah. like has got like Goldilocks. good coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, it's the mom, mama bear yeah. porridge town. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. It's got pretty good coffee. Like, Got an exceptional art gallery. <laughs> it's a traditional healing ground, apparently, for indigenous people. And it's got the gross valley. The gross valley is amazing. Yeah, I think tragedy rings. This is on a different point, but this is going to get dark. One of the best things that ever has happened to me here, like you know, our dog fell off Shipley. She fell 60 meters when I was away climbing down a Mount Rapids. And the whole fucking community, well, not the whole community, but at least probably 15 people came out to look for her. Um, and I think it was you and Killian. They went down to the base of Porter's Pass. At night. So you're looking at 9 or 10 o'clock. <sighs> These guys walked her back out, <clears throat> covered her in ice for like, you know, three days or something like that. And um, yeah, I got home and I got to see her and bury her. And that was because... <sighs> Of the people who are around me, mm-hmm. sort of taking the time to go and do something, and that's not ju- that's just one small. There's another dog that fell off the cliff yeah. that, that required some oh, fucking heavy losses. You know, it's like boy. Get, if you're stuck down the edge of a cliff here. Yeah, but I do anything for a dog. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 David even cried for a dog. I'd cry, I'd cry for a dog. Jace cried once in his life. It was at the end of Red Dog. Marley and me. Marley and me. You would punch a kangaroo for a dog. I would definitely strike a kangaroo for a dog. There, there are a lot of people who just would go out of their way to do something that you value. They know. Rescue okay, off the side. This is going to mean something to that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that goodwill going around, which I think is it's really prevalent in a community where you... Like, if you're talking about the climate community, because that's kind of where you seem to be at, it's about, um, like, uh, yeah, everyone shares the same sort of shit. But, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think we've all got various skill sets and we all volunteer our skill sets to each other. We do. Yes. In a heartbeat, in blink of an eye. It's, it's not a... Even if we're arguing with each yeah. other mm-hmm. and we're... we're yeah. 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 Sibling thing, though. None yeah. of us are moving away. Yeah. We yeah. can have an argument. <laughs> Move on. It's okay, go. It's sort of something that you can't put your finger on. Right. Really. It, like, it's kind of just this love that you have for everyone. Yeah. A respect of other... For me, it's a respect of what people dedicate their life and what they choose, how they choose to spend their time. I wouldn't go and find, um, you know, take six hours of my life to go and help somebody who, 
the goes and drinks in the pub and beats the shit out of their girlfriend, partner, dog, whatever, <laughs> has, has a different way of looking at life. Like, we share something which is quite similar. Mm-hmm. May, we might do different things, but at the end of the day, it's, um, you have a band of people who are quite closely sort of the same. Everyone's a bit fucking weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, you know, we've all got a quirk. That's why we're sure. We are all a bit special. <laughs> some yeah. are special. I think everyone has a similarity. Some yeah. um, Everybody's little bit of specialness. We're all yeah. a little on the spectrum. Like, you know, everyone's totally. a bit quirky. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, you yeah. kind of feel that if you're in trouble here or you need help, that you could call anyone in this room. Yeah. No, and I, I feel yeah. very confident that <clears throat> any one of you would just be there like that, like, mm. uh, wouldn't hesitate. But you can't really like pick your family, the family you're born into, but you can pick your community. And it is kind of like a love, right? And to know that like in your darkest, worst times of your life, these people will show up. And in your best times, these people will show up. That is, you can't put your finger on it. Like That's the it's best feeling in the world. Mm. Yeah. Yes. It's a mutual respect. Yeah. It has to be. Like it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's an appreciation. I think, I think right. it's an acceptance mm. of each other. Yeah. Mm. In all your quirks. And, yeah, 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 everyone's a bit special. Yeah. It's like a I'm, not, I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone thinks they're normal and everyone else is a bit special. And that's like common It's only like, Chris and Lisa who have got an accent in this room. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the weird accent. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, and that's, I think we're all right. I think, I think everyone finds their own thing in, in these tight-knit communities. And, and these are an interesting thing to me because I grew up as a, as a solo person. I didn't have a community. I didn't really have a family. And it wasn't until my adult years that I started to discover that and find that. You know, I relied only on myself until I was 35 years old. And then I started to allow myself to rely on other people. And it's, it's really interesting to look at a community like this and know that everybody in this room is willing to, to rely on everyone else in here. Only in a time of need. I know. <laughs> As you said that, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, well, I don't know. text message to a different friend. Don't take advantage of that. <laughs> it's funny though that like everyone here I'm sure we've all put our foot in the wrong pie at some moment mm. and everyone's like multiple times yeah and everyone sure. has like picked each of us up on it mm-hmm. and you go through a bit of a rough patch or whatever but I think then everyone's still there for you mm-hmm. and they'll pick you up on you silly thing that you've done or whatever it is but then you're still were you going to see each other at the cliff mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to pat the shoulder you got to kiss and make up yeah. 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 I think that's certainly had people pull me up pretty cool what the fuck were you doing like, yeah. well I was thinking this <laughs> like whoa come on really <laughs> fine <clears throat> I'll apologise and then you move on mm-hmm. yeah and it's awesome. just there I think that's cool yeah, I do too, and that's why I wanted to mm. talk to you guys about it because I see, I see, I could see from a distance there's something special here, and I wanted to jump into the middle of it when I was here and try to decipher what a little bit of that is, you know. So I appreciate all of the feedback and all of the 
all of the conversation. You all looked really skeptical when we started this thing. And then all I had to do was start talking and then I just shut up and everyone kept talking. And that's, that's perfect, that's amazing. That's exactly what I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys a ton for doing it. Wow, that was really, really fun to listen back to. I sort of dreaded it because I knew that the audio was going to be a nightmare to, to get the levels right. But actually, that was really, really fun. And, you know, I appreciate massively every single person who sat in that room and had that conversation despite the skeptical looks on their faces when it started everyone jumped in and joined in and it seemed like a good therapy session for some people um, some people learned new things about their neighbors they didn't know and I think a lot of things just got said that maybe wouldn't have been said out in the open would have just been left unspoken before and and I appreciate them allowing me to be a part of that. I will link to as many of the people as I can right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers. Some of them obviously don't have Instagram, but you'll find links to pretty much all of them in one way or another, even if they're completely internet inept, Julian Saunders. And before I wrap this up, I should definitely say, if you are an Australian climber who just wants to hear a pretty damn good story, listen all the way to the end of this thing. Occasionally, I put these little Easter eggs at the end. Some of you catch them, some of you don't. Today, I'm telling you it's there because it's a great story from Lee Kujis. You all already know where to find us. You can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. And some of these people are probably on the Twitter. I don't, maybe not. I'm not sure of that. Some of them might be. Do they even have Twitter in Australia? That's not what the birds sound like over there. But you will not find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. <laughs> Paper came out the next day. It was like 
the headlines. Yeah, headlines yeah. yeah. on the on the Sunshine Coast Daily. Yeah, is a helic like a, there's a photo of a helicopter <laughs> and and like a spotlight on on, on Coolum and it says um, man stuck upside down. Man, man stuck in cave. You know, rescue ensues or something. <laughs> and this is like front page news now. Is this just like Kevin Jorgensen stuck? Re- rewind to just the day at the cliff where, like, you know, the people climbing and Jace Piper, who was the king of Nebar before we were even Nebaring and we're just doing whatever, he's, you know, from Newcastle and he's up climbing on Spoon Man, decides to have one last go on dusk because it's hot. It's like, oh, I'll just go at dusk, like, it's pretty much dark. He starts climbing, climbs into the crux of Spoon Man. And just where we would all ordinarily all just climb through, he manages to find for the first time that anybody's seen it, complete hands off, like crazy, just single knee bar, but completely upside down. And so he's hanging it and, and this blaze got head torch and whatever. He might've even had a head torch on. The person in the house at the bottom of Coolum Hill is looking up at the, you know, <laughs> probably having their beer or something, walks Definitely out on, on, on the patio at Coolum for sure, looks up, sees just a dude <laughs> upside down <laughs> hanging from his leg and just a head torch and Jace was probably going, <laughs> and so they just go, oh, that person's stuck. <laughs> and they called, the, they called the cops. They're just like, yeah, that dude's fucked. Like, he's, you can just tell he's fucking upside down. He's fucked. Triple O. Bang, they're just onto it. And then all Put, the choppers. Get the chopper in the air. Then the chopper's there. They're hovering. He's still in the knee bar. <laughs> the chopper is shining the light down on the cave, to which Piper goes... Yeah, it was actually pretty sweet. I could really see the holes. <laughs> he comes out of the knee bar, tops out Spoon Man to a spotlight. <laughs> They've got a megaphone.